Joining us today on our Odd Fellows Oddcast with me, your host, Joseph Benton, and the three primary members of the DMC, the Dedicated Members for Change. Uh, they're not the founding members. We'll talk about who the founding members actually were, but these are the guys that are behind the DMC, and we're going to be talking with them about what it is, what it's for, and where it's going. So uh, any of you would like to introduce yourself and uh, talk a little bit just briefly about how you came to be a part of this? Sure, I'll start off. I'm Dave Rosenberg. Um, I'm a, a past uh, grandmaster of this jurisdiction in California, also past grand patriarch. Uh, I have been a member of Oddfellows for only about 15 or 16 or 17 years, not that long. Uh, I am one of the founding members of DMC. Uh, we started it in 2010, and we'll talk about it some more in your uh, in your podcast. Very good. And who's next? Well, uh, I'm Rick Boyles. I'm a member of the Alameda Lodge. I'm also a past grandmaster. And uh, I've been a member for about 20 years. Okay, very good. Uh, I'm, I'm Peter Sellers. And uh, I've been in the order for almost 30 years now. And um, that's that's all I have to say until you get started. And he's also a past grandmaster. Yes, he is uh, also a past grandmaster. And, uh, uh, and past grand patriarch. Yeah, I was going to say past grand patriarch. I just I wanted to be sure. I didn't want to speak for him. So, uh, okay. So uh, I guess that the main question that people would have is, what is the DMC? What is it for? And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about how it got started. Either, of, either three of you want to take that on? Well, I'll, I guess I'll start. Um, the the actual founding members, although Peter was like the first member, <laughs> he was member number one. If we give out membership cards, his would say one. But the three people who actually started this were Don Smith, uh, who uh, we we all know very much and love very much. He's passed away, but Don Smith was a past grandmaster of California. He actually achieved that rank in his twenties. And uh, he was also the uh, past sovereign grandmaster, which he did in his 30s. A rare event, anyone from California becoming sovereign grandmaster, uh, particularly rare at that age. So he was a dynamic man. And I got to know him, as did Peter and as did Rick. Uh, he and I talked about a prior organization that he was involved in. Uh, it wasn't called DMC, uh, but it was an organization of brothers at the time. It was just men, of course, who uh, wanted to change. They realized the order was going in the wrong direction in terms of membership. And so uh, he and I got to talking. Rick was involved in those discussions. And at the end of 2010, the three of us decided, well, let's launch our own organization called the DMC, Dedicated Members for Change. And uh, we sent out a notice to a, a few brothers and sisters, some odd fellows, mostly odd fellows, a few Rebecca's. Peter was right there at the inception and we started it uh, at the end of 2010. So we're coming up to our 10th anniversary of this entity, uh, which has engendered uh, love, fear and loathing <laughs> uh, among some members of the order for various uh, unknown reasons. Now, I'd like to pick out the one thing that you said that the, the DMC, I think, is really about, and that is about the membership decline. And the DMC has a commitment to doing something about that. Would, it, would I, that be accurate to say? Well, I'm going to turn this over to Rick and Peter, but let me just end by saying we founded it uh, with three, I, three things in mind. We wanted to do three things. Membership, membership, <laughs> membership. That's it. We were focused on increasing membership because we saw for decades our numbers were declining dramatically. Uh, and it was clearly not sustainable. Uh, the curve showed us we were going to go out of business. And so we said, let's do something. We need to change something. You know, the old uh, definition of uh, uh, insanity. Right. Uh, which is, you know, 
insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and believing you're going to get a different result. So we wanted to break out of the insanity mold. So Rick and Peter, your thoughts? Hey, I can interject. Uh, it was a no-brainer for me to get involved in the DMC. I, I had been doing my own thing for many years, uh, uh, trying to create my own success for my lodge members through uh, visiting many lodges as a younger member and picking up what I thought would be beneficial to our lodge. So my whole thing was membership at that time because when I joined, it was nothing but five old men who were going to die. And one of them was my grandfather who brought me in, who asked me to join. I did not want to join this organization at all. <laughs> I did not want to be part of something that I saw that was dead. It was just a bunch of old guys uh, sitting there and they wouldn't be around very long. But, but I started to get interested one day and uh, the first meeting I went to, I was, I was put in the vice grand chair. First meeting. Uh, <laughs> and that was for about three months before I took over the noble grand chair. And then thereafter, immediately I was district deputy grand master for <laughs> 36. So within a year, I was, I was a district deputy for the district. And I was the first one in many years to attend a Grand Lodge session. And I was doing it by myself for like the first five years until, <laughs> I, until I started learning and bringing in members. And I realized how easy it is to make a change here. Nobody wanted to do anything because they couldn't, they were too old. I was, I had to be careful on how I spoke when I went to visit lodges because, oh, the year after I was district deputy, I was a Grand Lodge officer, a Grand Instructor, and, and put into it. It's, it's completely different now. When I was a Grand Instructor, it was five mornings in a row, and it was in a tuxedo, and it was at 6.30 in the morning, and I had 44 deputies, you know, wow. in, a, in a, a very active, well, they were active at, at Grand Lodge, but on the local lodge level, uh, uh, the lodges were basically dead, um, but, but I... It was easy for me to change. I just came out of the Marine Corps, just came out of college. Um, uh, you know, I had all these, all this energy. I came in there and, well, let's get in some rentals so we can get some income and do some activities. Well, the first people I was bringing in were friends of my grandparents. <laughs> I was bringing in elderly people. I mean, a lot of them, I mean elderly, but they liked the dance and they liked live music. Well, I just kept building the lodge and building the funds and, and adding more activities. And then the younger members came. Of course, I had to offer them beer. You know, I mean, there, <laughs> there were things I had to do, but there were key members when, they, when one saw another one join, the brother-in-law wanted to join, that another person wanted to join. It was easy, very easy for me to bring in members. And I found the formula to do that. Like Dave uh, was at one time, uh, one of the, the biggest uh, membership uh, getters in this order, if that's proper. Uh, I what had do you mean been, was? Well, <laughs> I, well I, brought in, I brought in 42 members one year, in the year 2000. And I was number one in the entire country, and I was given an award. The second year, I was given a, a second place award. For bringing the second, I think it was 28 members and just sponsoring them and end up. But it was a, a very easy for me to do. And thereafter, I try to bring in about 10 members a year. This year has been challenging. But it's very easy. There's a formula. I don't know if you want to lead into that yet. But my reason for joining the DMC, it was a no-brainer. Membership, membership, membership. I'm about membership. I don't, here's the secret to membership. You don't set barriers. You don't look at somebody's skin color. You don't look at somebody's religious ideologies. You don't look at people's background. You bring them in because the rules and, and, and our, our, our design is already there. Okay. We bring everybody in. 
you don't set barriers. So lodges that are failing set barriers, barriers for themselves. If you're not going to admit somebody because he's this, this, or this, or she's this, or this, or she's a she, uh, you know, or he's a she. <laughs> I mean, there's any direction you can go. If you set those kind of barriers, rather than seeing that you could bring somebody in and try to find a fun event that you can share, uh, you, you're not going to have a very good lodge. You're not going to have a good lodge at all. I mean, who wants to belong to something that's dead? That's why where I go, I set this energy in place. I want this energy around me. I want people attracted to it, and I want people coming to it. And I'm not so arrogant where I take over. I allow them. Well, I allow, but they take over. Okay? Right. Those people take over. So, um, so joining the DMC in a long answer, that's why uh, I just stepped into it. And Don Smith was, uh, was uh, my inspiration for writing history for this order. So mm -hmm. uh, no no-brainer. Just from a, a timeline perspective, the DMC was founded 10 years ago, but you had already, Peter, been in Oddfellows for 20-some years, and you were all about membership. So it's and, – and Dave, you mentioned that you were – you've been in – you were here or in Oddfellows a little bit before the DMC started by a few years. So it seemed to be something that you saw was a lot of value as well. And you've got a story about your lodge. Uh, Rick, what about you? Well, uh you know, I'm, I've been watching uh, Dave and Peter. They're really trendsetters in uh, getting members. I, I don't know if anybody's thought about it, but just Dave and Peter have probably controlled about uh, 15 to 20% of the members in the state. So it, it's really kind of uh, scary and yeah. actually uh, pretty exciting how we have two guys that have gotten so many members. It's really wonderful for everybody else. And really, it's the only reason uh, California has grown the way it has. And it's one of the only states that has grown. So I, I think last time I mentioned to you, I'm, I've been kind of uh, transfixed lately by statistics. Good, yes. And uh, my next thing that's coming out uh, shows some pretty grim statistics for the order. Mm -hmm. And uh, Peter and Dave are really going contrary to that, which is great. And uh, I hope we can sort of merge that with everybody else. But I have my doubts for some of these states that are really going downhill fast. Now, when you say that you have this thing coming out, now I, I take it that you're referring to writing an article, which is going to be distributed by uh, email newsletter. Yes? That's correct. Okay, because yep. one of the things that somebody who's not familiar with the DMC doesn't know is that on a regular basis, uh, a few times a week, sometimes several times a week, or maybe once, but you know, uh, on a very regular basis, a very reliable basis, Dave publishes uh, another article uh, that is for the purpose of supporting the growth of membership. And yes. so I, I've read some of your uh, messages, Rick, regarding the statistics, and they're, they're really alarming. I mean, I'm not a mathematician. I've taken some college classes and that sort of thing, and I can't say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I could actually pinpoint what year is it that the odd fellows would fail based on math, uh, given the current, you know, downtrend overall. Uh, uh, not, not assuming, uh, you know, California is an outlayer. We're growing, but That's if correct. you look at the numbers, you, it points to a crash at some point. Some states have already lost um, their presence at Sovereign Grand Lodge, from what I understand, because they don't have the requisite number of people meeting for their Grand Lodge. That's uh, correct. So, um, you know, it's one state, two states, three states, and, you know, it won't take but 10, 20 years, and maybe half the states won't even be attending Sovereign Grand Lodge. And uh, for those that are still new to Oddfellows, uh, on a global uh, stage, we have different Grand Lodges and districts that are represented in one Sovereign Grand Lodge, which is right. in North Carolina right now. Right. Uh, and uh, so we all have representation at that Sovereign Grand Lodge where we help to shape the uh, code that we all live by as far as the rules and laws and things like that that Oddfellows have. So um, the, the next question that I have for you guys really has to do with 
who you find are your supporters. Like for example, how many people subscribe to the DMC uh, newsletter? And you know, considering there are supporters, uh, feel free to mention something about maybe you have people that don't support what it is that you're doing. Uh, anybody want to take that well, on? Your supporters go. DMC has come a long way. In the beginning, uh, when we started, even though our goal should be not only acceptable but praised by everyone, our goal was just let's increase membership. You know, but there was a time when, and still exists, when some people didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear the truth, which is ironic because our bywords are friendship, love, and truth. But the truth is inescapable. It's, it's shown by the numbers. Our numbers were declining. Uh, and we were saying that in DMC. Hey, guys, wake up. We're going down. And... Um, so what we did is we formed the organization, got some support, got a lot of opposition uh, to do two things. One, to communicate the truth, and two, to give people helpful information on what they can do to increase membership. We didn't just ring the bell. We wanted to inform people about here's things you can do, because here's what's fascinating. Yes, the numbers are going down. And yes, there are lodges and jurisdictions which are losing members. But there are a few lodges that are gaining members. Now, think about that for a minute. If there are lodges, like Peter's Lodge and my lodge in Davis, if there are lodges that are gaining members, what does that tell you? It tells you that odd fellowship is still relevant. It means something. And lodges can grow and the organization can grow. Now, I'm not one who believes that odd fellowship will disappear. I don't think that'll ever happen, to be honest with you. However, lodges will go out of business as they have been for the last 50, 60 years. There will always be a few lodges, Peter's Lodge is one, uh, the Davis Lodge is another, that will continue because we found the secret of success. I mean, my story is similar to Peter's. When I joined, I became vice grand and the noble grand before I knew it. The lodge was a bunch of older guys, less than 30 of them. And uh, they pretty much faded away. Uh, there was one older guy who had some vision and he allowed the younger guys to do their thing. Uh, he was the one person who didn't say no. That's the worst word in odd fellowship. That's the killer. No, we can't do that. We tried that. It doesn't work. You're stupid. That's a bad idea. So we don't want to hear that. So we tried it. And today, we started with less than 30. Today, we've got 320 members. We have had a net gain of members in our lodge for every year for the past 10, 11, 12 years, every year. So it can be done. There are ways to do it. And uh, so now people are much more uh, open and accepting of DMC. We do send out this newsletter. We've sent out over 500 of them since we started. And we now have an annual event. Thursday night at Grand Lodge is our annual DMC event. In the beginning, I remember they wouldn't even let us in the building. We couldn't even have a we couldn't even have a meeting. We were at during El Grand Lodge. We had to go down the street to the El Torito Mexican restaurant to have a meeting. Now we have a function that they all attend. So we've come a long way in that regard, but we still have a long way to go because it requires change, and change is hard. If we keep doing it the same way we've been doing it, lodges will fail. But if we are more creative and we do social events for members and we do community events for the community, that will make a difference. Well, I know that the, the history of Odd Fellowship is, 
you know, I mean, it goes back over 200 years just in the United States alone and even further uh, in England where it all got started. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, not quite enough for some people. I mean, it's great to be the, you know, the carrier, the, um, uh, you know, the defender of the faith or whatever it is that you feel that you would be doing by picking up the history and kind of going forward with it. Uh, but, you know, like you're saying, it, it, it takes it takes a willingness to do something in your community that um, all you have to do is look at the other organizations, the other service organizations that are out there uh, that are doing fundraisers for this or that. And if there is something that, you know, members see a value in doing something like that, well then boom, you've got a social event that you can put on. And I'm sure that, you know, in, in your lodges, you guys have been doing this a, a great deal. I'm relatively new uh, to Oddfellows. I'm the noble grand now, uh, but a few years ago, I was brand new to this and I was fascinated by the history. I think the history of it is amazing, but it's not enough. Um, and since I started, you know, we've got a scholarship fund every year now that we do, and it's it's really a great thing because people recognize it in the community and they expect it now, which is great. And, uh, you know, we also do other events, but we haven't really grown to the point where we've got enough people involved. Um, uh, last year, I brought in a member who brought in six members. Uh, just the other day, we have a couple members that were just initiated, and I know that each one of them, because I picked them, they're leaders in our community, they will bring in even more people. And it's my strategy to do that. Um, unfortunately, uh, I, I couldn't start by trying to convince everybody to do things differently because unfortunately I hear no a lot in our lodge. Mm -hmm. And um, I have to bring in enough people who want to do social fun things so that we can uh, grow by being known for doing things that are social, fun, and that make a difference. What you know, pick your pick your favorite one. Uh, so, um, and I've read a lot of uh, of the DMC newsletters, and you know, sometimes the messages are about how we're failing. You know, how no can be so detrimental to the spirit and life of a lodge, and also we've. You know, I've read uh, some of them that have talked about uh, a lot of the things that are very um, divisive in our country that can sometimes be very divisive in our lodges as well. And we have a uh, tradition to avoid that kind of um, divisiveness where we uh, fight over religion and politics. And I think it's a, an awesome policy. It'd be great if everybody followed it. But even so, uh, you know, it, it creeps in. So uh, can any of you give me a story about how you, you feel that the DMC, one of the messages, maybe something that you've written yourself, uh, is really uh, the kind of story or point that is made that would be something that people who are in Oddfellows would really like to be a part of what you're doing. Anything in particular that, that you feel is a great example of what the DMC is about? Joseph, I want to back up just a moment, and I will lead into that. But I wanted to mention something about that divisiveness. Mm -hmm. I know I, I probably written a few, I have written a few articles over the years about that divisiveness. But I also want to point out where our jurors, where our differences lie, it's geographically different for all of us across this country, across this globe. So where my lodge is located, we're going to have trouble not having a few things within our lodge, within our activities, in our community that in San Francisco, where I am, that are going to offend somebody and not necessarily be political. And sometimes it comes up in a political stance. It's like being involved in a pride parade. Nothing to do with DMC, but everything to do with my lodge because that's a community event. Believe me, it's a large event in San Francisco in the month of June. If we don't blend into our community, I talked about barriers. Well, we have members from every walk of life from our community. We make up our community. So if we set a barrier and say we don't accept that type of person, 
but here on the uh, a state uh, in an, in a, another state, I don't want to mention any areas, but in another state, that's not so acceptable. They see that as a huge barrier. That would, their their whole lodge would close up and shut its doors and go away if they allowed a member who was not the same as them. So uh, geographically, the South, the Northeast, the Northwest, especially the West Coast, uh, everywhere, we're all different. Our beliefs are different. What we do is different. I mean, what they do in the snow is different than what we do in the sun. And so, so we're all coming from all these different backgrounds. We try to leave politics out. We try to leave these categories out of politics, but unfortunately, they're crossing the line into political issues, especially in other states. We're here, it's not such an issue. Uh, you have seen some of those things that we post like on our social media that are tremendously offensive to people in this other state, but but for our lodge, our members are taking part in it. And so we have to recognize, and this is what the DMC can bring out there, is at least make the attempt at bringing awareness. This exists. If you're open-minded enough, you can pick up that, oh yeah, they're different here. I realize that, I get it. So they're growing, they're, on there. they're still practicing like Davis, I heard a lot of criticism of Davis Lodge in the DMC that they weren't following the ritual. Well, every meeting I've ever attended, which have been a, a couple over the years, every meeting I've went there, they follow the ritual. So who cares? They're following the ritual. They're following the code. It's just that they're more active. Listen, I was a degree, what they call the degree master. I got to tell you, you know, that. I have seen things change over the years. I'm leading into another subject, change. I don't know if you have that on your list, but <laughs> change is also something we have been stressing. I have been stressing before the DMC, especially with the DMC and beyond the DMC. Change has always occurred in this order. I have seen a tremendous change in this order. I was there when the change for allowing women in the order and, and supporting that and taking a lot of criticism. Now women, without women, we would not be the order now. We are. But this change is important. I have to tell you, going back to the degree thing, I would have been, oh, okay, you don't want to change the degree, but we needed a change. I have to, I'm going to give you praise right now uh, uh, for Michael Greenzeiger, who wrote the dinner initiatory degree. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that. The we, we, dinner. We've used it and it's, it's wonderful. The dinner degree. It is good. For the, it is, now I've seen some pretty good initiatory degrees done in a whole different traditional way, but this was approved by Sovereign. Uh, uh, and I was, I was totally impressed and it was the best degree. Michael didn't, wasn't uh, conferring it that day, but it was done in St. Helena with San Pablo Lodge. And I was there as a spectator. That degree is a major change. And Odd Fellowship accepted that. And I have to tell you, the candidates they had there, I think they had like 12 to 15 candidates. They enjoyed themselves. It was an enjoyable degree. They were having fun. It was festive. It was the best initiatory degree and the best change this order has, in my opinion, since I've been in, has ever received. Okay, that's a high compliment. I have to tell you that. It's, I agree. So you're not going to have that problem bringing in new members and they, they experience a degree and leaving the next day, you know, and never coming back. Now you're going to have them come and, and experience this festive event. It's more of an event a celebration, embracing these new members, that they're going to stay around. They're going to stay. So change also falls within the DMC. I want to talk about that degree in the DMC because it reaches through Dave when he sends it out. I want to talk about that degree. I wish Michael would write about it or somebody who in St. Helena or San Pablo, but I have to talk about it. 
because uh, that was a major change and that's a positive change. And the DMC, what the DMC does, it gets the message out there. And, and hopefully members are aware enough, uh, they can pick up on these things. Oh yeah, that's, that's something we ought to try. You know, let's get a hold of whomever has done this degree and, and let's implement it in our lodge because that change, it's better than the video, okay? Now the video has served its purpose too because we like to expedite people and send them to live degrees later. But, uh, but there's a change. Change is extremely important. And we have, you hear the argument, you, we're going to change, we're going to close our doors, we're, we're losing everything we've ever, there have been changes ever since, every couple of years I've been in this order. We always change. It's an evolution. We're not changing fast enough. That should be the message that we're not changing quick enough. So that's, uh, it's a great that's sort of, uh, I try to lead into that. I don't know if I answered. In fact, I don't probably not. Totally. Not and there. It reminds me, uh, I didn't uh, get an answer regarding how many people subscribe to this newsletter. So how many people would you say consider themselves members of this group called DMC? Well, we don't have a membership uh, roster. Uh, you know, you don't join, you don't get a, a card, you don't pay dues. It's really informational. We have hundreds and hundreds of people who receive our newsletter and that number is multiplied because I know a lot of people receive the newsletter. For example, there's a lot of noble grands that receive the newsletter and then they send it out to all their members. Perfect. So I suspect every one of our uh, newsletters uh, is read by thousands of people. And it's not just California. We're all over the country and we have several in Europe. Uh, so uh, look, all we are, we have the power of our voice. You know, we send out information to people and then they use it as they as they will um the i think the the single greatest impediment we have and peter's correct there are changes throughout the history of odd fellows it's a history of change that's what's ironic this is nothing radical uh, change is part of the order but the problem we face is at the lodge level you know there are three levels in odd fellowship the lodge the Grand Lodge, and then the Sovereign. Uh, at the Lodge level, there are members who, for lack of a better word, like the status quo. They have gotten so familiar with the routine. It's almost for them like going to church. I mean, if you want to go to church, go to church. The church shouldn't be Oddfellows. Uh, Oddfellows has got to be much more than reading a ritual from a book. Uh, Oddfellows has got to be more. And if it's not more, then we're back in the 1940s and we're not going to attract new members. So uh, let me just conclude by saying in my lodge, we try things. We currently have over 50 lodge committees. I'm not saying everyone has to have 50 lodge committees, but in my lodge, we have that because this is what people want to do. So we have... Um, we have a classic film festival where we show classic films to the community. We usually get about 80 to 100 community members that attend. We have um, a Taste of Davis once a year where we feature restaurants and wineries at the lodge. We have a chocolate festival. Nice. Uh, we have, uh, it just goes on and on. And it involves the community, gives back to the community and provides fun uh, for the members of the lodge. We, we've even been criticized for our pledge process. When we get applicants, we call them pledges. That's a traditional word used in fraternal orders. And we make them go through a process. We do not make it easy for them. Uh, they have to go through a process that takes four, five, sometimes six months. They have to learn about odd fellowships. They have to interview members. They have to attend a certain number of social events within the lodge. And then at the end of the process, if they're still interested and the vast majority are, we initiate them. And they're strong members. 
they're knowledgeable members and they want to stick around. So, you know, we, we get criticized for stuff like that. But what we do is not uh, in violation of any of the rules. It's not in violation of the code. Nothing in the code says you get an applicant and you initiate them the week after. So we do it. We make it tougher and we get more members. Now, uh, I want to point out that one of the things that I can do, uh, Peter, because I was thinking about this, the new degree, uh, the dinner degree, that's a dinner initiation, um, that I can easily just put that information with this uh, blog post uh, whenever I make it. So I will reach out and I'll talk with Michael and see if, uh, how he would like to be contacted for anyone who is interested. That's excellent. That's excellent. That's I have to go back. I have to go back to 1997 or eight when they when they added the dinner installation. That was a huge change from the floor work. It, I mean, I was there when we had to do nothing but floor work, and it, for newer members, everybody in a tuxedo in the lodge was. It was tough sometimes. I'm not complaining about tuxedo. I like putting on a tuxedo like the next guy, but I don't like putting it on all the time. I don't like putting on 110 degree weather like when I went to Rick Boyle's reception in Sacramento. <laughs> and it was 110 degrees. Yeah. You know, so I I have a limit. When I became grandmaster, anything over 75 degrees, there was no tie. I eliminated the tie, 75 degrees. Believe me, I got tired of changing in the tuxedos. But dinner <laughs> insulation was a major change, uh, uh, except being accepted in the late 90s. Uh, so uh, I can go back and go to each change. 1990, in year 2000, it was women. I remember one grandmaster uh, demanding all the women wear, they have to wear pants. If they want to attend a meeting, I mean, it was that controversial. It was so difficult to change, and and uh, uh, you know, your fellows now. I mean, even the, how you describe them, there was so many issues. Or we're not going to change the ritual to be gender friendly. It took years to get that to change over to members. I think five or six years. So the struggle. There's struggle to get change. We should not have to be struggling. And this is where I'm going to I'm going to make one statement before you go on because I don't want to forget saying it. Uh, you have to ask yourself. Now we gain our 501c8 status through our parent corporations, which is Sovereign Grand Lodge in this case. And you have to ask yourself, what good are your parent corporations? What good are they? You have to ask yourself, other than supplying you supplies, which they don't, which they don't readily, they don't give you any more promotional items. You don't get anything. You're paying, but you get nothing from your parent corporation. Sovereign Grand Lodge, if we weren't dependent on that 501c8 status, they would be out of our lives. Grand Lodge is sometimes, I've been part of the Grand Lodge board for over 20 years, and I got to tell you, I, I have to tell you, I don't know what good it does for the lodges. I'm being honest as a member, from working from the top down, from the bottom up. I don't know what good they are doing for us. Well, I think that's a really good point, uh, and I can see it completely. The, the, the thing that I was sort of expecting when I joined Odd Fellowship, and I realized that there is a hierarchical structure here, that if the top of the hierarchy wanted to ensure the longevity of itself, that it would return investment in terms of things like marketing, public relations, and it would have, it, it has an investment already because it depends on the individual lodges and the Grand Lodges. Even though we all have a, our own opinions about how things should be run, uh, the DMC is one of the things that is providing something that is missing from Sovereign Grand Lodge and also sometimes from our own Grand Lodge here in California uh, by 
having these newsletters that come to people, you're actually giving uh, the lodge members access into a world of experience that you all three have that draws on a lot of lessons learned, uh, a lot of, you know, things that have, uh, things that have not worked, but maybe, you know, uh, could work a different way if it were just retooled a different way. Um, you know, I've, I've taken enough business classes to know that there's actually no such thing as one formula for everybody. And the nice thing is, is that the DMC provides a number of different perspectives. Uh, the DMC isn't uh, just Rick and Dave and Peter providing uh, newsletter content for people, but there are new members like myself. I, I even wrote an article uh, when I first learned of DMC and I sent an, an email to Dave. I said, Dave, look, I don't know if you can publish this or not, but you know, uh, there's a things that work, things that don't work kind of letter. And um, I think that the DMC is providing something of tremendous value that is missing uh, from the Sovereign Grand Lodge and sometimes oh, Go ahead, Dave. We, we should not underestimate the power of the word, the written word, very powerful. Uh, treatises, books, uh, articles, they do make a difference. Historically, they've made a difference. Uh, Rick is a very good writer. Peter is an extraordinary writer. I'm a decent writer. I'm an old journalist, so I can write. Uh, and we have put out well over 500 articles over the 10 years. And when you compare that to articles written by the sovereign grandmaster over those 10 years, I don't know, maybe the sovereign grandmasters have written 10 articles. <laughs> in those 10 years, if that many. And uh, when you look at articles uh, uh, written by grandmasters over those 10 years, maybe a grandmaster sends out one or two general uh, letters or articles a year. So it ain't there. You know, there's a vacuum that DMC has filled, uh, although our articles are focused uh we're focused on what we can do about membership yes uh, and, and you know what it's made a difference uh we we had been losing members in california we're the biggest grand lodge in, in north america but we're still only about four thousand members but we had been losing members for decades and then dmc came on the scene and we started pushing membership and blowing the membership bugle and lo and behold recently we stopped the losses and recently the numbers in california show small net gains that's an amazing thing yes it, is. it absolutely is uh rick i wanted to ask you if there was anything in particular like i, I had mentioned that you really enjoy about being a part of the DMC? I know that you really like statistics. Uh, is there anything in particular that you really enjoy about the DMC? And uh, Well, maybe... it's just uh, the conversational aspect. Uh, actually, when you think about it, there's nothing else statewide where we can all participate and all uh, talk to each other, really. I mean, we go to Grand Lodge, but that's really an organized setting where uh, there's not much feedback. This is one way we can all present feedback. Anyone is welcome to write a letter or a message to the DMC and we all listen and we all uh, contribute ideas. It's, it's wonderful. And it's also not a free for all either. I know that I, I wrote one message that uh, had to do with, um, you know, the, the law in California, the way that things are structured around, uh, you know, Joseph. Oh, we have a censorship. Joseph, guy. it was it was ten thousand words. <laughs> you had to cut it down a little. Right, right. So I, I thank you for that, and I, I just want to say that, like, it it just really wasn't the right place for it. And I'm you know I'm thankful that Dave has a journalistic background because he's a good editor. You know, he sees somebody that can actually see the value in something and you know put it out. He's the the person that sends out the letter, so he's sort of the publisher of this organ of uh, the newsletter itself. Um, so uh, yeah, Rick, uh, just to be clear, Rick, Rick has written hundreds of articles, uh -huh. but we've only published about eight of them. 
<laughs> well, uh, I wanted to uh, wrap things up and I wanted to uh, ask Dave, uh, if someone wanted to receive this magical discourse on membership, how is it that they could go about receiving it? Just write to any of us, uh, write to me, write to Rick, write to Peter. Uh, we, we will add anyone uh, uh, who wishes to receive it. Now, everyone who's receiving it is, in fact, an Oddfellow or Rebecca. I don't know that anyone is receiving it who's not a member of the order, but uh, certainly it's available for anyone. And, uh, you know, every day or two I get an email, please put me on your list, and I put them on the list. Okay. Well, Happy to do it. Great. Now, in the future, um, I invite all three of you, uh, if there's any particular topics that you would like to see discussed uh, as a magical discourse with this uh, podcast, this podcast, uh, I welcome you to just, you know, shoot me a message and let me know and we can set things up and maybe we'll have more than one of you or maybe we'll bring somebody else in that is more authoritative on it, that particular topic. And, you know, we can extend the message of the DMC through this uh, podcast. So uh, I, have, I, have, I have a suggestion. Peter made a great suggestion uh, on the dinner uh, ritual, but Peter has written some wonderful books, mm -hmm. uh, any, yeah. one of, any one of which uh, would be an excellent subject for a podcast. Uh, he is Amen. very knowledgeable in certain areas and uh, done a lot of research and would be well worth it. Fantastic. And Dave, likewise, has written a few odd fellow books. The last book, I, I can't put it down. I, I, I always read it. It's, uh, it's so inspirational and so, it's so full of ideas. It, it, I, I like it. Uh, so I, I think it would appeal to anybody. And, and everybody who, I, who I've turned on to the book has liked it. One thing I want to mention, Odd Fellowship is growing in other countries. Right. Besides North and besides Canada and Mexico, they are growing in Europe. They're flourishing. Yeah. They're popping up, uh, reemerging in Germany, reemerging in, in all the all these countries over there. It's becoming more of a, a, a I hate to use the word, but fad. It's becoming something where you want to be part of. Uh, we should be tying into that. Maybe that's another future message for the DMC. See, uh, if anything, uh, uh, maybe tying into that. Exactly. Can I leave us? Can I leave with my last thing with a historical uh, uh, perspective? I went to Grand Lodge yesterday in California. These are the things I like talking about history. And on the table downstairs in the Grand Lodge was this old wooden bust of Wildy, Thomas Wild Wildy. And I was told that it was given to the Grand Lodge, asked if they wanted it, um, the Historical Society in San Jose, I, I don't know if that's exactly correct, uh, wanted to get rid of it. They didn't have the room. It had been in the basement for years, uh, been in storage. They asked the Oddfellows if they would be interested in this, uh, this bust, wooden bust of Thomas Wildy that used to sit in one of the odd fellows halls. I need to find out which one. I had never heard of it, but this bus is at least three feet tall and a two feet wide. And I have a picture. And this is uh, Wild, you can see it. the founder of Odd Fellowship for those who are watching that don't know. In the US. This wow. picture, this is a very large bus and, it, and it's an, it needs restoration. And I'm saying, what a wonderful thing for California to take this, I, I sent the grand secretary a message, you don't have room or you don't, because they weren't very happy with it. They didn't seem like they were thrilled to have it. And okay, this okay. is my interest. I see a lot of value, and you're in public relations, Joseph. I see a lot of value historically taking a piece like that. That's where my mind is, restoring it, paying to have it done, restored professionally and presenting it on a national level to the Sovereign Grand Lodge from California. Can you imagine that in front of the, the grand body of Sovereign, in front of 300 people, 200, 115 reps and 150 visitors, and you have this wonderful piece out there? 
what uplifting uh, historical item that would be, what speaking an event up, that would be. Speaking of uplifting, did you try to lift it? Uh, no, I did, but but that's what it I wanted. Sounds like to it's a heavy piece. Those, yeah. those are the ideas. That's what spins in my head. Okay, how can I turn this into an event? Something positive, you know. We need to keep doing that. All the men. If you had ten of me, or a hundred of me, or a hundred of Dave, or a hundred of Rick, or a hundred of the Brian Reels, or, or Tony Montanelli, you know, I can go on with a few few names. If you had a lot of us, which I believe we do, all doing this at once, this order would do nothing but expand and go through a great PR guy like you, Joseph. Thanks. So um, I'm glad that you guys took the time to uh, meet. And uh, I don't know if you have anything uh, just in closing. Like, uh, Peter, you, you gave a really great uh, uh, piece to share in closing. Uh, Dave, Rick, you, either of you want to uh, just say something real quick? Rick, anything? Uh, no, I just want to add Dave and Peter are really the, the uh, foundation of this group. They've done great work. They're always, they're always plugging away at getting members. It's been great. Rick is too humble. Uh, Peter, you had, me, uh, you had me at 100 Ricks when you made that <laughs> comment. So, I just say that uh, the future of Odd Fellowship is, is unwritten. Uh, we're at a crossroads. We've been at that crossroads for a while. I don't know which path we'll take. If we take the correct path, uh, there is a definite place for a fraternal order in the world uh, like Odd Fellowship. Uh, it can perform an important function for the members and for society. If we take the wrong turn, the wrong path, well, uh, I can give you a list of literally hundreds, hundreds of fraternal orders that have sprung up in America and do not exist anymore. And so we're at that crossroads. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you again for taking the time out today and being on this odd cast. And uh, I hope to be seeing all of you again uh, in a future uh, podcast like this. That'd be great. And uh, I'll be happy to post the information that you gentlemen who you mentioned regarding signing up for DMC and also for the dinner initiation. And uh, if there are any suggestions that you guys have that I can post uh, in below this, I'll be happy to do so. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so. And we'll see you next time. Oh.